0: Welcome to This Is Not About Your Body, a body neutrality podcast where we talk about all the real shit body image issues are actually about because they're never just about the way you look. I'm your host, Jesse Neeland, and today I have with me Amanda Mittman, who is an anti-diet and weight-inclusive registered dietitian, nutritionist, intuitive eating coach, body image coach, and owner of Happy Valley Nutrition, which is a group private practice of registered dietitians supporting people with disordered eating and eating disorders. Uh, I'm very excited to have Amanda on here today to chat about uh, intuitive eating and the training that goes into being a dietitian and nutritionist. So welcome, Amanda.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Jesse, for having me. And I love that you let like an expletive go in the intro because I feel right at home. (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah. I always like to ask, like, is it okay if I like, drop a curse every here, oh, you know, yes. ever everywhere here or there. Um, I am a na- native New Yorker, so uh, absolutely anyway, fine. Thanks for making me feel at home.
0: You're so welcome. Um, okay, so I'm going to have you start by talking a little bit about yourself and the sure. work that you do.
1: Sure. So like you said, I am a registered dietitian, and I work in this weight-inclusive anti-diet space. So I own a private practice called Happy Valley Nutrition. We're located in Western Massachusetts. Um, I've kind of, you know, started to stop seeing as many clients as I do, but the ones that I really love, people I really love working with are my body image clients, especially in midlife um, around perimenopause. Menopause, because I'm in it, our bodies are changing, body grief is real, body neutrality is very hard. Uh, yeah. you know, to, to really, um, to really um, accept. And then I also have another kind of business, you know, side thing that I do called Bitchin body image RD. And that is to train clinicians, whether it's therapists or um, mostly dietitians have taken my programs and to train them on the fundamentals of body image work, because yeah. let's just be honest we don't learn that shit in school, right? Like all the (laughs) stuff that you know, and the stuff that you do, you've had to probably learn right on your own through your own research, working with supervisors, um, and other people. It's the same with body image work. And I feel I know for myself that I was like, woefully unprepared with even working with humans, after the training, like the school training to be a dietitian. And so I'm like, you know, I've done enough supervision with younger, you know, newer dietitians to know that everybody is just like really scared to have body image conversations. Mm. Um, and I know I was as well. I remember being like, I really want to have these conversations because it feels so near and dear to my heart. Yeah. But I don't know how to do it.
0: Yeah. You yeah. know, okay. So we're going to talk about the perimenopause midlife thing later. I feel like that's such a yeah, fascinating topic, oh, a Um, mm-hmm. but I kind of want to go into this training thing because- yeah. I don't think most people in general, like most people probably don't even know the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian. We certainly do not come across like what kind of training they get or like, you know, I think it's kind of one of those things like doctors where we just sort of assume, you know, everything and uh, never really stop and think about what, well, what did that education look like? What did you learn about this or that? So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about specifically the training as a registered dietitian. Um, the difference between those two labels, dietitian and nutritionist, and like yeah. basically what that training entailed. Like, what did you learn about food, health, weight, bodies?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a great question. The difference between what's a nutritionist versus a dietitian. I get that one all the time. And yeah. So basically, anybody can call themselves a nutritionist. Being a nutritionist mm. is an unregulated term, right? So huh. you could someone could set up a you know a shingle and be like, I'm a nutritionist and I do X, right? that is not a regulated term. So when someone is a registered dietitian, it means that they've gone through, uh, you know, post bachelor schooling, we have an entire dietetic internship, which is hundreds of hours Mm. that are put towards clinical nutrition, like in a hospital, community nutrition, um, and food service, which Mm. everybody really loves to hate on food service. (laughs) And then after that, we take a board licensing exam. And you have to pass that exam once you pass the exam then you're a registered dietitian um so we have to have the schooling right it, it's 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 definitely a regulated term yeah. um, now i think they're requiring dietitians to have their masters in order to become mm-hmm. a dietitian when i became a dietitian when was that over 10 years ago um and it was my second career so um we did not have to have our master's. I have mine. Oh, I went back to school, but you have to do it now. Um, so yeah, so there is stuff, right. And we can accept insurance, which mm. is really important, right? So we're recognized by insurance companies. So when clients come to work with us um, often we can accept their insurance. I think that's a big, you know, big deal. So.
0: Okay. So I don't know that I knew nutritionist was on like Mm-hmm. What, what did you call it on Un- like
1: unregulated unregulated right? like, yeah like somebody calling themselves a coach right like a life right. coach or and again i'm not saying there's anything wrong or bad with life coaches yeah. it's just like you know like i you know i call myself a body image coach but i didn't right. have to do any i mean i work with my supervisor and was like trained in her specific program yeah. but it doesn't say okay now you can use this term body image coach right i kind of throw it on there because it kind of gives people a sense of some of the work that I do it's it's unregulated right so totally that kind of thing so yeah nutritionist versus dietitian got it yeah Yeah. so
0: okay in your training that you went Mm -hmm. through to become a registered dietitian what was that program like and what did you like what was the focus of of what you were learning at the time
1: yes so this is I just want to say whatever I say about our education and I'm I know that you know this, but for your listeners, like I am not knocking dietitians. There are so many incredible dietitians who specialize in really, really like complex and tough stuff. And um, so I just want to, you know, I think dietitians get a bad rap, um, a lot of us, um, or the dietitian profession in general. So I just want to throw that out there. There, there are totally fair. incredible people. Okay, so I'm just going to put that out. Okay, so saying that... <laughs> Our education, especially if you want to be, or if you are a weight inclusive provider is, is, is awful. It's just awful. Um, It is, it really trains you to be a clinical dietitian. And when I say clinical, I mean like working in a hospital, right? And so a lot of the work that we're done is like calculate a tube feed or how many calories um, per pound or per, you know, kilogram does somebody need, right? Or protein and those things are are important, right? We need dietitians in hospitals, right? Yeah. But for someone like me and for many others who don't want to work in a hospital, you're kind of, you graduate and you're like, well, what do I do now? Right? Like, I want to work with people, but I don't, I got like one hour of motivational interviewing or like one class. So you're, you're really just left to figure it out on your own. And I mm. I know it's really challenging when people are trying to find jobs because people are looking for, especially in private practice, when I hire for my for my business, I'm looking for someone who maybe has like a year, at least a year of private practice or eating disorder or some sort of yeah. experience. And like, that's really hard to get. Um, so it does not train us to do anything weight inclusive. I think now it's starting to change perhaps a little, especially depending on, um, the program that you attend, like there are some um, dietetic internships that maybe focus a little bit more on eating disorders. There's one yeah. near me in Massachusetts. Um, but for the most part, uh, nope, it's like calories in calories out. Um, very old kind of fashioned thoughts on weight, health, you know, basic. So I, I also teach nutrition, um, at a local college local mm-hmm. university I teach um, intro to nutrition for non-nutrition majors so I get like the science and the engineering bros you know and the oh, athletes funny. in my class so yeah. it's kind of interesting um, but the book what the book basically says right is don't get fat right don't get fat because that's bad right that's bad for your health don't do that but also don't develop an eating disorder because that's bad too.
0: <laughs> and so what we're left
1: with is like, don't eat, yeah, Right. Yeah. And I say this to my students. I'm like, I hate this book. We need to use it. Right. Oh, wow. But like, you know, the whole chapter on uh, metabolism and weight balance and stuff like that. I give a whole disclaimer of like, take care with this. This is bullshit. Uh, I do say that in like literally in the module. Yeah. Um, but that's what we learned as dietitians as well.
0: So there is mm-hmm. definitely the component to it that it reminds me of the personal training certifications. Like when I got certified, I knew a bunch of shit that I would never, ever use again with an actual human in front of me. Like certain things anatomically, things like the Krebs energy cycle. Like I had to learn all this stuff that never, ever came up with an actual human. And I didn't learn a single bit about training people, talking to people, helping behavioral changes. None of those things were in the certification. So I can hear that there's a similar thing going on in the dietitian training. But then beyond that, I also don't think that my certification even talked about weight, like really at all. I think all of the, the stuff that I learned to do with clients around weight loss was like, industry taught, self-taught, you know, it it was just basically like what people were wanting. I learned how to show up in that space with them, but you specifically learned like how to help with weight loss, prevent weight gain. Like it was very Mm -hmm. weight centric. So that makes it even worse than the fitness industry in some ways around being weight inclusive or weight neutral.
1: Yeah. I mean, it just is, it's tragic. And I was a weight loss dietitian when I grabbed, mm-hmm. like when I left, I mean, I became a dietitian because my, my disorder eating and eating disorder drove me to do it because I'm like, Oh, I love health nutrition. I lost all this weight. I can yeah. help others do the same. And there was this yeah. very high sense of like morality, right. Of like, I can do it. I know the answers. I'm like, you know, and I was also doing holistic nutrition stuff. And I just felt, you know, I was in my 20s and I just felt like I knew all the shit, right? And yeah. so that led me to do it. And so the training, right? The, the courses that I took and all the messaging and I got really fed, you know, my, yeah. you know, my orthorexia, my disordered eating, yeah. and I was like, not in a good space. And so when I graduated, I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just do this, right? I'll, I'll, yeah. I was taught that this is what I'm supposed to do. And it, it didn't go well it didn't go well because I think this is what a lot of people see is that we do what they tell us to do. And then, you know, here, let's lose weight. Let's help you feel better yeah. right through weight loss. And then what happens is of course people lose weight, maybe, maybe lose weight in the beginning. And mm-hmm. then the behaviors that kind of like fall off or yeah. they can't manage, right? They, they can't keep the weight off. And then they come back to you and they're like, what am I doing wrong? And you're like, just try harder. Like, Oh, let them then some walking and it just feels oh, like wow. so icky, especially because yeah. myself at the time was dealing with my own disordered eating. Oof. Um, so so um that that's really challenging.
0: Yeah. So what what is the framework around like weight and health then that you learned? Because obviously you don't abide by this now. It sounds like you of got into not stuff in your own sort of research dread, like drove you down a different path, but w- what did you learn that you had to reject or unlearn in your own research later? Like mm-hmm. that, I mean, that just sounds exhausting because it's so focused on basically what we now know, you right. know, in the
1: is spaces is bullshit. Yeah. Um, I would say if we could boil it down that weight equals health. Okay. I will just say that, right? Like, don't gain weight because you're going to get, like, this is what the students are writing, right? Like I was just grading some discussion boards before I hopped on with you and it was like, don't eat too much fat, right? Like we're talking about fat saturated versus unsaturated Uh fat, right? Like the science of nutrition. They're like, well, don't eat too much of it because then you're going to get fat and you're going to get diabetes. And I'm like, gee, Jesus, like, this is so, and this is what we are taught as well. Like I literally, I think I thought that, right? When I was, you know? Um, obviously that is incorrect and wrong and not even scientifically based. And it's almost like you forget about genetics as well. So like, for example, let's say we even taking someone that works in the hospital, right? We go into somebody's room, they've just had a heart attack and like quadruple bypass surgery, right? And it's up to the dietitian to go into that person's room and give them a handout um, and says like, do not eat a lot of saturated fat, right? And it's almost like, now we're putting it on them like if you eat hamburgers and cheeseburgers and like you are you are messing yourself up right it's this personal responsibility i think that that we learn to place on people which is just so unfortunate and just so wrong um because we know that health and any of this is not a moral obligation and nobody has to do any of it but If they're not, then they're deemed non-compliant. And this is what our, you know, people feel like going to the doctor all the time. And I can imagine that's what they feel like going to the dietician, right? Like even when I might do a 24 hour recall with a client um, and I give them the whole spiel of like, I believe all foods fit. Like I I, have judgment around it. They're always like, and then I had like some chocolate and I'm like, oh yeah, I eat chocolate all the time. Every day. And they're like, oh, phew, there's this, Vulnerability there. And so
0: I think fear of judgment. Yeah, the
1: judgment. It also
0: completely erases, like, the social component of food, like, completely strips away. The fact that like food insecurity and, you know, like uh, levels of privilege and marginalization play a role in what kind of food you can access and the decisions you make and the cultural component of like, you know, oh, my God, there's so much just stripped away. And then you're you're also basing it on bad science. Like, how is this allowed to exist?
1: (laughs) Truly? I mean, it does. It's just I think it just hasn't been updated. There's not enough people that are saying, this is not right, this is not what we see in practice. This is, this is you know, um, not okay. There yeah. are some really great groups of people doing this work. Um, some great educators that are really fighting hard to bring different textbooks and different assignments yeah. and things like that to their students. But in general, that's just, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine because we occupy the weight inclusive, that positive space and we're like, yeah, of course. Yeah. really generally like most people most people do not um and it's really cool when you have newer dietitians that like graduate and they're like I read two and this book changed and like I want to do this work yeah, right yeah so I do think that there are more and more like, you know, students graduating and younger dietitians who are more interested in like health at every size and that sort of stuff. So it's really, really cool to see. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think there's a little bit of a backlash too.
0: Well, maybe it'll start changing. Cause I, d- I do feel like the social awareness around these sorts of things is increasing the visibility of these movements mm-hmm. is increasing. And maybe just enough people will be like, I don't want to go to your stupid program unless you kind of include something different, but that's right. just wild To think that people who are especially those wrapped up in some kind of disordered eating or eating disorder or like just desperate for help with their relationship to food are going to go to someone who learned these things. And unless they specifically taught themselves otherwise, they're going to be basically handed more shame, more guilt, more anxiety and hyper focus. That's devastating.
1: Yeah, and that's from you know again a registered dietitian or a nutritionist like really anyone. Yeah. And so that's why if somebody's listening and they want to find somebody to support them, it's really important to like do the homework and look at the website, yeah. and look at their social media, and also we also have to kind of look at it and fine tooth comb because there are a lot of providers out there who say that they are you know weight inclusive or do intuitive eating yeah. or mindful eating, right? But it's it's kind of weight loss in disguise, right? Any time yeah. that the goal is a change in like body composition or or weight loss, you know, it's yeah. not a safe space if that's what you're looking for. Totally. So what did you learn so, yeah. about
0: eating disorders and disordered eating? I mean, I assume that's part of the the education because so many dietitians go on to do that work of treatment, right?
1: Right. Uh, so maybe like one day like one lesson, one chapter in a book. Yep. What? And, yeah. And my master's, no. yep. in my master's, the only thing that we did was we had to write a paper. We had to pick an eating disorder and write a paper on it and then present it.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm even glad that they have it because it was a functional, a functional nutrition master's. And I was even like very appreciative that she included oh that. But um, yeah, so we, we don't, that's the thing we don't. And that's why being an eating disorder dietitian, it it, it requires time and yeah. money and mm. privilege um, in order to access the spaces of being trained. Unless you, you know, or you go work for a treatment center, which is, you know, you can certainly gain a lot of knowledge there, you know, yeah, working yeah. there. Um, but for those of us who haven't, um, it is a lot. And there's also continuing education and the continuous learning and learning so um yeah we don't learn that how to do that in school
0: so how did you then go from that original education to the health uh redefinition that you have now the weight inclusivity the anti diet approach like yeah. how did you walk down that path
1: it was my, it was like hitting like 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 z- rock bottom you know <laughs> in my own in my own journey with my like relationship to body and food I just was like I do not like this is bad right like I have gotten personally um to the point of of, like I cannot live this way anymore and I had so much shame as a dietitian. I'm like I am a dietitian and I am working with people and like I am secretly binging like that feels Uh, fucking awful right um so there was I I was holding a lot back. I was like, oh my God, like people are listening to me, like work with them. I'm not binging. And like, here I am and I'm doing it myself. Mm. And what it took was for me to join this. I was like, okay, I got to find someone. So I joined this like group and it was me and like three other people. um, And it was about like intuitive eating, like kind of walking through intuitive eating. And I was finally able to say out loud, like I feel so shame as I'm a fucking nutrition provider. I'm a practitioner and I have my own struggles with food and my body. And just saying you know when we say something and we bring something to the light mm-hmm. right it just feels better it was almost like in that instant when i was like and they were like yeah okay we hear you like there's nothing to be ashamed of right that validation i was like yeah. oh my god like it just allowed me to then move forward and and really heal my own relationship um as obviously yeah. it's always a work in progress but then also um um really do the work with other people. So it, 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 and then, you know, seeking supervision, I've had tons of supervisors, um, different supervisors, one-on-one and group supervision, of course, listening to webinars and podcasts and um, all that sort of stuff. But, um, but I think it was like my own healing journey. And then also working with people who know this and who do this already and learning from them. Yeah. So
0: when we talked before, you mentioned what a high percentage of your dietitian classmates also had eating disorders, you yeah. being, you know, a part of this yeah. statistic. And this definitely tracks with my personal experience of who is drawn to this kind of work, both uh, mm-hmm. among like my peers and friends and my yeah. clients. Um, but I think most people would be really surprised to hear this. And I'm curious, like, in your experience, why is it that so many people with eating disorders are drawn to a career? as a dietitian or nutritionist?
1: I think, I think we get drawn in two ways. I think one, you have people who were, you know, who did have a history of an eating disorder or disordered eating healed that relationship, you know, or, you know, are in the process of healing and then decided, you know, I want to be a dietitian because I want to do this healing sort of work with others. Right. Yeah. Then you have people like me, who's disordered eating, Fueled that was like the eating disorder, that little part of myself was like, woohoo, let's yeah. get on this ride and like ride this train. And then it, it it supported that. And so is everybody who's a nutritionist or in the nutrition world, um, does, do they have an eating disorder? Of course not. Right. right. But are there a lot of people who do? uh-huh and yeah. isn't like our eating just in general like isn't diet culture and all that stuff just in general disordered eating right we're all yeah. kind of all on the spectrum so um yeah I, I think it's i think it's both and then and then we kind of, a lot of us in the anti-diet world if we did have our disordered eating fuel us to become dietitians all of our unlearning you know here we are now right yeah like and so it does feel like that shame that i once had i was like huh how come i felt ashamed right Yeah. but yeah we all like to talk about it now the fact that we're like, we're really honest. And I tell my clients too. I was like, dude, like I totally get where you are. Like this is, I'm yeah. like, they are like, but I'm, you know, my, my disordered eating, like, you know, has taken this away from me. I was like, dude, like my eating disorder, like informs my career choice. Right? <laughs> so like let's just take it one level. Like I have a dietitian because of oh that. Oh my right? God. So, yeah. So, and then they're like, Oh yeah, you're right. So I'm like, that's bad. Um, right. But, you know, I say like, make the messier message, right? So I'm very open and honest about my journey. I want my clients to know like that I come from being a weight loss dietitian didn't last very long, but that it just, I've seen it firsthand. It doesn't work in my clients and it certainly did not work in me. So,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. So there's definitely like, some of it is what you're describing is like healthism,
0: basically this moral superiority around health as defined in this very particular and narrow way. Yeah. Uh, Probably coming from a desire to help people, but also coming from that like desire to continue supporting the eating disorder voice because that is what the eating disorder voice is most interested in doing. Mm -hmm. And then I also see, um, I feel like it's something uh, that I learned from the Minnesota Starvation Experiment it was basically like, uh, I assume you're familiar with this, but for anybody listening, yep. yeah. It was like an experiment done where they restricted calories for a bunch of guys a long time ago and uh, just studied what happened. And everybody was shocked because like <laughs> their lives, their mental health, their bodies fell apart and they were only restricting like by a smaller amount than your average diet calorically per day uh, than we would see people doing now. So anyway, one of the, the interesting things about that was like the aftermath, how many of those men went on to become chefs, to work in food? Like there's something about having had food take up so much mental real estate because you were in a deprivation state, you were in a disordered state. Like there becomes an obsessive thing that you maybe don't really get to, like, get rid of. you know? I mean, it can drive you forever to be like food is very important, whether that's through nutrition or, you know, your kind of cur thing or becoming a chef or just becoming like a home cook who's very into food. Like these are a lot of the end results of disordered eating and hyperfixation on food because you're hungry
1: a hundred percent. That is such a great analogy. I love. That you brought that up that that these men and they basically were put on like a noom diet. I think yeah, like yeah, exactly. Like noom. It's not um, a diet. It yeah, was it's like
0: it's just, a very yeah. mild diet, and they all yes. like became. Oh yes. man, it's yes. anybody like listening one- who hasn't read about this? Go Google the Minnesota Starvation Experiment
1: they were obsessed with obsessed with food and I mm-hmm. and I can relate that I mean I can't speak for anybody else but when you were talking about that I was like yeah that was exactly my experience I remember at the time how obsessed I was with all things health all things food right and and it took up a huge portion of my life yeah. like huge and now I'm like talking about food is my least favorite thing to do right? <laughs> so I, I mean I'll help clients like this you know, prepare a meal plan and like, you yeah, know, yeah. that sort of stuff, you know, all that, you know, but I really don't like talking about food. You know, I really like talking about, you know, psychology behaviors and like all that yeah, sort of stuff, yeah. you know? Um, totally. And, and, you know, one thing I'll also say, we are just not taught how to work with people. We, we, we are not taught about trauma. We're not taught about Ugh. people in different, different cultures. We're um, just, we're just not. We're just not. Um, so that was also a big learning curve of like, oh wait, yeah. like not everybody is like a male in their fifties and white. Like, <laughs> cause that's the examples we get like Bill mm-hmm. age 52, right? Like, uh, you know, white male. Um, it's just, it's yeah. just a shame. And so I have so much compassion for my fellow dietitians um, because it is a long road to unlearning yeah. and really finding, you know, you find your flow, you do, but it does require work.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So having come out
0: of the fitness industry, I yeah. know that for me, discovering things like health at every size, intuitive eating, anti diet research uh, was it did not happen easily. It did not come. Uh, like um, it, I was not receptive the way that I, you know, looking back, I'm like a little bit embarrassed, but also have a lot of compassion for the fact that like the fabric of my entire reality was being ripped out from under me and I didn't like it. Um, but I'm curious about how that experience was for you. Like as you start learning these things, as you start incorporating new science, new concepts of health, all of these things into your understanding of your literal career, how was that?
1: Oh, it's like, it's, yes, it's like very ungrounding. And you just feel like, what? And then there's the shame of like, what have I been doing? Like, I mm-hmm. wish I could, I wish I could have my clients that I saw in the beginning. And yeah. even just in the beginning of when I was a weight inclusive provider, right? Like, you don't know what you don't know. And, but I wish I could like have them back and be like, I'd love to see you as I am now, right? Yeah. Not that I, not that I know everything in any sort of capacity, but, but, um, Yeah, it's really we're like, wait, what? Like weight has doesn't have anything to do with health? Like and that's why I love educating because I Mm -hmm. want and and even in my students, right, who are like fat leads to, you know, saturated fat leads to diabetes, who like have no idea what they're talking about. But I do like to sprinkle seeds of weight inclusivity, right? And they have to write a discussion board post on how the BMI is racist, right? So sprinkling that sort of thing. But I just want to say, you know, you said it took you a while to kind of grab on yeah. to the concepts. I read intuitive eating. It came out in the nineties, right? Yeah. I read intuitive eating maybe late nineties, early two thousands. And I read it and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like I could eat whatever I want. And, and then I was like, Oh, yeah, wow. no, going back to dieting. So I just want to say like, I, uh-huh. I, I just think whenever you're ready for it, you're ready for it. And I think hearing this again, this, weight inclusive approach I just needed it like my I was ready to take it in I was ready to you know do something different I was ready to yeah I think I was ready to do the unlearning
0: yeah
1: and if you're not you're not man I uh
0: I have to like give so much credit to my audience on Instagram at the time like my followers my readers Because they were the ones continuously and gently and kindly pointing out things that I was getting wrong and inviting me to new resources. And I'm like so grateful looking back that I had so many gentle little like invitations because it really could have been something else. Like someone could have just stormed in and been like, you're canceled and you're hurting people. And instead I had, you know, like dozens of women being like, um, I actually don't know if this is true and if you want to like learn more here's a book recommendation you know so I yeah I, I also felt a lot of that shame of like the harm that I'd been doing by helping people lose weight or at least by telling them that that was a thing we could do like oof. and by by equating that with health and everything so <laughs> In all of this, I think one of my questions is what do you wish people going into the field of dietitian knew? And what do you wish people who are already dietitians but maybe haven't done this like kind of um, in-depth uh, look at stuff? Like what what do you wish you could tell these people?
1: Great, great question. So for those entering, I would say be a squeaky wheel like push back against something that just does not feel right to you. You know, even if your instructor is not open to it, just listen to your intuition, right? And if and if nothing comes up, that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, I had an experience where in my master's, so I went to my master's for functional nutrition, right? So functional nutrition um, is like kind of holistic base. It's, it, it's its own kind of way of looking at health. Um, and it is very, very fat phobic it is not weight inclusive so here i am hayes dietitian and i'm like oh okay like i'm gonna see how i can bridge like hayes and functional right Uh um so i went to this one class and the class was about food addiction Mm. right so it's about food addiction and i don't i do not believe in food addiction i certainly believe in how it the feeling of feeling addicted to food, but yeah. you know, research shows that food addiction, right? That feeling is born out of restriction, right? Yeah. Okay, so here's my instructor coming up there saying all these things about how sugar is addictive and mental, right? And I'm like, I knew this class was coming up. And so I had printed out research from I think Marcy Evans has some great, who's a fantastic eating disorder dietitian. Um, I had printed out some of her work and some of the studies that she links to. And I was like, here you go. Did she, did she, and I even raised my hand in class and I was saying, you know, this is what I think. Did she take that on my instructor? Nope, not at all. Was she gracious <laughs> about it? Yes. Was oh, I, did God. I have to dissociate for like 90% of that class? Yes. Did I do well on that exam? No, but I felt like, my blood was boiling. So if you start to get that feeling of like, Oh, this doesn't feel right. Or like, I don't like the way we're talking about people. I don't like the way that we're like putting people into category. Like it's okay. It doesn't mean that this, that being a dietitian or a nutritionist isn't for you. You can do such amazing things. I think it's knowing when you have to play the game. So like I had to play the game. I had to use the word obesity, right? I had to like sure. use it in quotes. I use it in quotes, but I had to play the game in order just to get through it. Yeah. Meanwhile, I was like doing my own work. So I would just say speak up, be a squeaky wheel, but also play the game when you kind of need to. Mm-hmm. And then follow great, you know, social media accounts or other people who are further along in this than you who are doing the work that you want to do. And mm-hmm. then the second thing for for those who already doing this work, um, is find community find other people that are kind of doing what you want to do and ask to speak to them and just say how did you learn what you learned or how did you get to where you're getting supervision is right you can't be as great as you are without learning from others and so if that is available to you seeking out supervision or you know listening to amazing podcasts like this one or reading reading things um but and just humbling yourself of like okay i learned this way and now i need to do the work of breaking down what i learned you're not wrong it is not your fault that's what i always say to that like this isn't your fault it isn't your fault that having body image conversations feels challenging it isn't your fault that you're afraid that you're not going to get it right because that's what we're taught right like there is an answer to a question and and it involves somebody's health right so um Oof. Yeah, just compassion, like tons of compassion, everybody, right. uh, for um, your little baby self. So I was, I was going to
0: ask what you wish like people hiring dietitians knew, and I'm, I'm still curious about that. But I think, I just want to mark like that the body image conversations are hard, given the lack of training, given. There's so much, um, I think, fear. I I work with a lot of therapists and it ends up being the same thing where like they are amazing in so many ways at their job, but they feel uncomfortable talking about body image because they still have their own issues and don't feel Mm. like they're able to occupy that space. And so I'm imagining that like tenfold in a space where so many people were drawn to food as a career for their own disordered reasons. Like that's just, I mean, it makes so much sense that this would end up being complex and that even people who maybe have the information and want to do good in this space still aren't able to like trust themselves to step into those conversations and and help.
1: Yeah, you know, and I actually, this is kind of what my work work is focusing on right now is how to have body image conversations when your own body image is fucked up, quite honestly. Um, And and the answer, like the TLDR is like, yes, please have these conversations just because you're struggling with your own body image as a provider, it doesn't mean you don't you can't have these conversations. Yeah. That's what I felt for so long. Um, and it's not like, even the people that do body image work, we all have bad body image days, yeah. right? It's not like anybody is perfect anyway. Um, but the thing is, how can we ask our clients to do really tough, distressing work if we ourselves are not willing to sit in our own discomfort and distress? Yeah. Right. And that just takes time and, and experience. Um, and, and like you said, your therapists, you know, you work with a lot of therapists. We do too. People are not talking about body image with your right. clients. Um, they're, they're not your therapist. Isn't your doc. The doctors certainly aren't. And so often it's left to us. And then, so the next question I get asked is, is it within scope? Is it within our scope as a dietitian to talk about body image? Because what we're taught is if food exercise stress sleep is that that's pretty much like it's so, you know yeah, like, like yeah. that sort of stuff there's no like well what about this body image piece that yeah. crosses a lot of different lines right it's a little bit of you know uh therapy right a little yeah. bit of that it's a little bit of if it involves the body and it involves you know uh if it involves the food or it involves the body i say yes you need to be having yeah. these conversations and of course you know helping making sure that your clients are perhaps also seeing therapists as well. um, Yeah, definitely. To collaborate with. I also, but um, I feel there's a lot of fear of making, making a mistake or doing the wrong thing.
0: Yeah. I, and I see, (laughs) to be honest, I also have a lot of client stories of their therapists doing harm in this space, like actively. So for good reason, are people afraid to talk about this? But um, also I have, kind of come to an understanding that like, we don't need to be talking at people the way we think we do when it comes to body image, like so much as we need to be listening and holding space and inviting them to explore. So like, everybody can do that. That is not a scope issue to ask better questions, right? To like, validate and acknowledge how they feel to invite them to trust their intuition around these things like there is so much that you could do as a school nurse as a personal trainer as like any career it does not have to be scope in order to help people start that healing process like even just introducing resources you know recommending books that kind of stuff like it is not I think what people imagine these conversations have to look like are like, I have all the answers and I give them to you, but that is not what this process is.
1: Right. And that's why it's so hard because again, as a dietitian, we're like, this is how you do it. Right. This is the flow. This is the answer. So to say to somebody or a new dietitian of like, oh no, you don't have to do any of that. You literally just sit and listen and validate and like support they're like, what? And I was like yeah. that too. I'm like, what? And, and that is why so many of us get burnt out because we're working too hard, mm. right? In session. And so once we start to learn how to kind of sit back and like, you know, our client is the expert and we are there to support it, the sessions just become a little bit gentler on us, yeah, on our nervous system totally. as a clinician. Um, so it it is, it's a lot of like, just yeah, I'm, I'm learning of how to be in a session or how to be with somebody. And then I think when someone really starts, a clinician starts to internalize, like your client is not broken, therefore yeah. you do not need to fix them. It takes the pressure. It starts yeah. to take the pressure off. It starts to take the pressure off.
0: I'm so grateful because my uh, life coaching certification, which is the basis of the work that I do mm-hmm. is IPEC, certified life coaching Mm -hmm. um is basically just about asking better questions and like Mm -hmm. centering the other person in their experience as the authority like all of these things that as a personal trainer was the opposite of what I learned as a personal trainer I was supposed to be the authority and tell them what to do and like make sure they did it um I would I'm so grateful that I I was introduced to this concept because yeah I absolutely would hit burnout if I was trying to like fix everyone through that lens that that just sounds horrible
1: everybody's burnt out. And I love that. I mean, like when you're saying you learned how to center people and like ask questions, I'm like, Oh, I wish we got that. Like just <laughs> one, one class of that of like, Hey, listen, when you yeah. meet with people, let's center their experience. Let's ask them for their consent or yeah. like w- ask them what they want to do. Ask them, ask them like center their experience, yeah. not your own. Oh yeah. my God. Like we would be like, we would all be so much better if we could just have a little bit of that right instead of and 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 it's it's again i there are some amazing amazing dietitians doing such incredible work but the mm-hmm. amount of unlearning that they have had to do is just beyond right yeah. and and so again it's no wonder why a lot of us in this space are feeling challenged totally. and are, are are not seeing clients one on one anymore right or switching to mm-hmm. doing other mm-hmm. sort of things right because just holding that space Um, over and over and over is really
0: hard. Yeah. So So let's go back to the question. What do you wish people who are either thinking about hiring a dietitian or sort of Uh actively in that space, looking for help? Let's say with more of sort of like their relationship to food than to lose weight at this point, but what, what do you wish they knew or what would you recommend to them? To dietitians looking for work? No, for um, just like a listener who's like, oh, I've been thinking about reaching out to a dietitian to get help with my relationship to food, my eating Uh disorder, that kind of
1: thing. What to look for and what to... Yeah, like what they should
0: know or do to make sure that they're not stepping into this like uh, Mm -hmm. disordered space again.
1: Yes, Um, I would say... um just do your homework. Like don't go to your insurance and say, who's on my insurance panel. Okay. I'll work with that person. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, it is. If you, if, a lot of times you can use insurance to see people, but there are really great message boards, like intuitive eating message boards, um, reach out to any friends that, you know, who might've worked with someone and ask that that person has a recommendation. I, that happens a lot in like Facebook groups. I'm in, does anybody know of a dietitian or an anti-diet dietitian in yeah. Florida? And I'm like, oh, let me help you find somebody right yeah. in Florida. Um, and again, go to their website. Look what they look what they do. Look what they say. Is anything kind of reeking of weight loss? Is there anything reeking of being right or wrong? Um, mm-hmm. And then, most dietitians and nutritionists offer free cl- like discovery calls or clarity mm-hmm. calls. I know we do at our practice, and that is great because it gives you the client the chance to connect with somebody get a, get a sense if you're going to vibe with them. And I think that's yeah. really important too. like just the rapports. Is someone that you are going to feel comfortable with someone that you're going to be able to be vulnerable with. Yeah. Um, that's also super important. Somebody could know all the right stuff, but if you're like, yeah. mm, there's something about this that I don't feel like I can completely be vulnerable with. It's the same as a therapist, right? Like, yep. and I always say to people, like, if, if I'm not the one for you, No, no hard feelings. This is kind of like dating, right? You gotta find the right person for you. It's the same thing when finding a therapist and finding a dietitian. And that's why when we have, I have multiple dietitians I have six dietitians and I'm like, all right if this person doesn't work out, I have this person. Let's try it. Right? Like we all have our different ways of doing things. Um, And you can always, if if something doesn't feel right, stop. You can always stop. You are not, you know, if, if you're working with someone that has like a package and you're buying into a package of like six or four, Make sure that this is the person that you want to work with. Um, if you're working with someone's insurance based, we can't do packages. So you could stop at any point. Yeah. Um, you know, you deserve and if to work someone, someone says
0: yeah. something that feels yeah. off, that feels violating, like advocate for yourself. You get to speak yeah. up because so even if they are like experienced and, you know, uh, otherwise yeah. aligned um, these are moments that are likely to happen. And I think the sort of white coat syndrome of like, well, you're the authority, I guess. I just listened to yes. you. Like we have to push back against that in all fields and center the fact that you are the authority on your body.
1: Oh, I love it. You said the white coat syndrome because there is a power differential, yeah. right? There is. Whenever you go to seek support from someone, even if it's not a medical, when we go to the doctor, there is a huge power yeah. differential. That's why one of the reasons why it's so harmful. Like but even when meeting with a therapist or a clinician, yep. there is a kind of some power differential. And so I'm the type of person that in the past, I would have been, I wouldn't have said anything. I would have just kept through it. Right. And just, you know, a dietitian or a therapist, they should meet you where you're at and want to partner with you and center yeah. your experience. And if that is not something that you're feeling from who you're working with, or, or you want to work yeah. with someone like that, the right person is out there Um, and will recognize this power differential and try and level the field as much as possible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can't tell you how many times. So obviously, like in the work that I do around body image, I often work with people who have eating disorders and are actively in treatment. So I love having, you know, like a support team around my client. Um, But inside of that fact, I can't tell you how many times I've literally helped a client script their own advocacy with one of their supportive team members, because something is happening that is harmful, feels bad or wrong, feels violating, like, or just is making them feel misunderstood or sort of taken down the wrong path. And like, these are the same people usually who struggle to advocate in every other way, because there's so much crossover between eating disorder spaces and, you know, like not wanting to take up space, not wanting to be a burden, right? So like, it oh, is something yeah. that happens a lot. And sometimes we we'll role too. play it. Sometimes we'll yep. write it out. Like Yep. Oof.
1: Yep. I my, one session I have a client that I work with. And the last time we we spent a session and we drafted a a, a message to the PCP through the portal. Because yeah. they were like, I can't do it. And I only have like X amount of characters to do it in. So I'm like, yeah. okay, you write the draft of like, let's see if we can like tighten yep. it up and I, I, you know, I've worked in a doctor's office for a very long time, so I know exactly what doctors are looking for. I'm like, okay, like this is what we need to do. So yeah. I, I do agree that is some of our work too, is also undoing some of the harm that other providers have done, um, and then honoring our yeah. clients, you know, the the disappointment and the grief that comes up yeah. with that. And then also like I feel like my like part-time job is finding the clients, like the therapists and I totally other providers. Get that. Right. Totally like get that. I'm always looking to build my network of like here are some great resources for you. Here's another provider yeah. that you can see because you anybody deserves to feel safe with their team. Like you are deserving. deserving. You might have to wait a long time to see a new provider because nobody's taking. but, but even then it's worth it to get on a waiting list to just, you know, because again, you deserve to walk into any provider's office or hop on zoom with any provider and feel like that person has your back. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Okay. I'm going to pivot for a little bit. Um, because I wanted to hear, I know you work with a lot of people in perimenopause and, uh, I had some questions about that, but before I wanted to get a definition, because it occurred to me as I was writing out my questions in preparation Mm -hmm. for this conversation, Mm -hmm. I don't know what that means. So yeah, (laughs) I think most people understand menopause, like what that means, what that looks like, but what is perimenopause?
1: Yeah, for really basic. So menopause is actually menopause is like a day, right? So you're in menopause and you haven't gotten your period for 365 days, right? on that day you are in menopause and like off you go into the sunset, you are like officially right. Like in in that menopause stage, perimenopause is kind of the leading up to that. When you start to your hormones. I mean, honestly, they're like, my mom calls them like you have hormone soup, right? Like everything is just (laughs) feeling like really, really nutty. Um, and it's in that, that stage. And that can last anywhere from a couple of years to 10 years. Um, and the average age around menopause is around the early fifties. So like, we're talking like people in their mid to late thirties can also be in perimenopause. It's this time when the body is starting to prepare kind of to go into menopause. So again, the hormones are like progesterone, estrogen are up and down. Your periods might start to get, you know, fewer and farther between. This is when we get like hot flashes and brain fog and muscle, like muscle ache. I I got them all right. And it feels very lonely. Um, And weight changes, body changes. And the messages that were given, I can't tell you how many times it's like, lose the belly, right? Lose the belly. It's like, nope, we need fat and adipose tissue because that's what stores estrogen. And as our estrogen starts to decrease, we need our little life rafts of our belly to help us. So it's, it's, it's a, I really like working with this um this kind of population because one i'm in it right and we teach yeah, what we I mean, need we make yeah. our mess our message um, and i get it right i i get it when someone's like i'm in perimenopause and i do not like my body and i'm grieving for my body that i had right even like after i had kids right they, they would even sure. take that body um, or i can't remember anything and i'm so fucking hot all the time and like this just feels really hard and my doctor doesn't understand and they just want to put me yeah. on like birth control so um it is a very confusing time and there's not, not a lot of research on it. Um shocking and there's not a lot of support. So this is why I like working with this this group, because I'm like, I get it. Like
0: yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah.
1: yeah. So
0: what I think is interesting about this is um so so much of science and research is sexist, racist, like it's been done on these really Uh, isolated homogenous privileged populations and also what we put money into studying reflects who we care about and who we think is important and worth you know protecting so it is not surprising to me at all that there's so little research on this area because it doesn't affect most men and it is one of those things where I think The bodily changes, the psychology of it, like the, the, the body image, all of these things play a huge role in a person's relationship with their body. But then also, I think we're kind of given the message that like, at least wellness culture puts out the message that you can like treat it it's like the food is medicine. You can Mm -hmm. treat it with food. So I wanted to hear you talk a little bit about like, how do you address the intersection for someone in in a life phase like this? And this goes for all kinds of things like chronic illness or, you know, whatever. Like, how do you help someone navigate the difference between some of this is like wellness culture, healthist bullshit that's going to put you into an eating disorder space. And some of this is real and true. And actually like there are, yeah. you know, micronutrients that could make an impact here. Like yeah. how do you walk someone through that?
1: Uh, yeah, well, that's gentle nutrition right there. And I just want to say, you know, you brought up a great point of why this this kind of time of life isn't studied. And, you know, one of the reasons why is because in the past, you know, women, a lot of women died after childbirth right? Mm-hmm. And so there, there was like, what's the point? And then also what I feel is like, we're done, like society has no use for us anymore. So like, I, I have an 11 year old son, I had my child, mm-hmm. right? I birthed a child, I, I you know, uh increased, like, right? Our population, yeah. what's the point of me now, right? Like, I'm not doing that anymore. Wow. And so yeah. we're in this weird stage of like, mm-hmm. our you know, if we do have children, like our kids are getting older, they don't need us as much, we're we're really like, you know, in our career, it's just where do we fit in? And that's what I, what I feel a lot of And So the research is like, well, what do we, what do we do with these people? Um, so there's that. Um, and if you're looking, you know, how do we manage, how do we navigate nutrition and health, right? However you define health through this time, I would say again, find somebody who you trust, right? And so there are wonderful people doing non-diet, intuitive eating based work in the in, in the perimenopausal menopausal space and you know I know like I have the people that I go to for information and I know that what they're telling me is it kind of and if you do this then you might lose weight it's not mm. that right so there's really beautiful things we can do with nutrition involving phytoestrogens um, in our food to help with um Uh, hot flashes, right? There's, there's some things, not much we can do for brain fog, right? We can add omega-3s for perhaps um, our cholesterol starts to rise a little bit. Our insulin, we start to get more insulin resistant as we get older. And so there are some great things that we can do in terms of like pairing our foods with fats and proteins and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, and it's all done from this like really gentle place. We're not treating anything. We're not trying to lose weight, but it's like, how do we kind of, manage symptoms and make yeah. this time feel a little bit easier beyond that. I would also say, I think community is just the most important piece. Like I, yeah. I remember having like a really bad, like perimenopausal day. I don't know. I can't explain it. I just was like, I feel, I feel perimenopausal today. And I like looked down my list of friends and like, I think every, anyone would understand, but I was like, I I don't have like a group that I could be like, Hey, you're feeling perimenopausal today. I'm feeling great. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very lonely and isolating and same with doing, body image work and intuitive like it is right because you're you're kind of bucking what society tells you to do so uh finding community like the right community and then finding people like even if you just google like perimenopause menopause anti-diet right Mm -hmm. um finding people that that gave you supportive information and not scary information
0: yeah. I don't know uh, if you are of the same era, but I grew up with like Prevention Magazine being oh, very yeah, sure. a very oh, big yeah. thing. So yeah. like, I, I I think this is one of the areas that I get a little like sketched out around like dietitian, nutritionist advice, even beyond like all the harm that can be done with, you know, healthist, uh, you know, lack of awareness of privilege, weight loss, all these things is like the idea that, you know, almost like a superfood can save you. Or yeah. this idea that like, if you're not adding enough reversatrol heavy foods into your diet, like you will die a horrible death somehow. Mm-hmm. It, it's very mm-hmm. fear And I feel it like is. that's the kind of tricky thing in trying to get support for something where nutrition can be supportive without yeah. crossing a line into obsessing over little things that don't need to be obsessed over like how much reverse, reverse the in blackberries versus blueberries or right, something, you know? right?
1: As somebody who occupied that space personally in my life for <laughs> a long, long time, not around perimenopause, but just around health in general, that fear, it's, it's really like, it's so fear-based, yeah. right? And so anytime someone's like, you have to do this, have this super whatever, otherwise you're going to be
0: awful, yeah. right? Make like, sure you're getting enough.
1: No, 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 that's not, that's not right. Right. Like if you feel fearful to eat something and you're getting that advice from someone, no, that is wrong. If you're like, someone's telling you as a woman to intermittent fast, like, no, that is, that is actually like the studies are done on men. They're not done on women. Right. And so, um, finding if if you trust your provider, right. If you like a, you know, your OB OBGYN or your PCP to have this conversation around hormones. But again, there are, there are people doing this work. Um, and again, like this stage of the game is where eating disorders tend to rise again. Mm. And I get why, and Mm -hmm. I get why I've had to talk myself, be like, Amanda, nope, we don't do that anymore. Right. As my body changes. And I'm like, Oh "Oh my God. Right. Like what, what is happening here? Right. Um, eating disorders absolutely rise. That's fascinating. um, That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And I would even say it tracks with my experience,
0: but I've never necessarily thought about like that particular link
1: right? Like anytime there's a major life change or a body change, right? right? Yeah. Like puberty and um, even going from like in our twenties, th- right? Like things start yeah. to change. And then again, around, around midlife, around perimenopause and menopause. Yeah. It's, it's, and and because a lot of the advice we're given is awful. So I will just say, I have one client who came to me and she was like, yes. And, and she's weight inclusive. Like this is, she did not want this information, but yep. basically her, 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 her OBGYN was like, gave her an eating disorder, like, like prescribed an eating disorder. Wow. That didn't even, it was the worst advice I've ever heard. And it was like, yeah, just restrict. Yeah, just restrict. And then you'll lose the weight. And then once you lose the weight, you'll Ugh. start to maintain. And I was like, that is an eating disorder. I said to my mom, right. like, that is an eating disorder. And also that it does not even work. Yeah. It doesn't, that doesn't work, work like that. That's not how we do it. So, um, so just be cautious. And again, if you have a yeah. provider like that, who is saying stuff like that to you, that is... That is wrong. That is bad. That is incorrect. And really work to find a new provider because that person is not the person to see you through midlife. Just not. Absolutely.
0: Oh, Amanda, thank you so
1: much for sharing all of your wisdom.
0: Where can listeners find you, work with you, et cetera?
1: Awesome. So, um, two places. So, first is the bitch and body image RD, which is kind of the first part of the discussion that we. We talked about, this is where I've talked to clinicians about how to incorporate body image, foundational body image skills into their practice. So that's at Bitchin B-I-T-C-H-I-N, body image R-D. And then uh, my group practice is Happy Valley Nutrition and that's um, at Happy Valley Nutrition, all all one word. Um, And yeah, that's that's where I'm at. And if you wanna send me a message, um, I love chatting with people, connecting people. And I'm gonna be doing more weight inclusive work in the perimenopausal menopausal space and also training clinicians on how to do body image work with perimenopause and menopausal
0: love that
1: people yes
0: thank you so much for sharing all of this this has been an amazing conversation i think that listeners are really going to get a lot out of it and to the listeners thank you so much for being here as always and i will catch you next week and thank you amanda Hey, everyone, I'm Jesse Neeland, and I want to take a moment to thank you for listening to this episode of the This Is Not About Your Body podcast. I put out new episodes every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss it. And if you really enjoyed it, please go ahead and leave me a review. Um, also, if you're looking for more information about body neutrality or you want to work with me, you can find me at my website, jessinealand.com. Or you can just purchase my book, Body Neutral, A Revolutionary Guide to Overcoming Body Image Issues, wherever you buy books, ebooks, or audiobooks. We can also connect on Instagram or TikTok. My handle is Jesse Neeland. And because I make this uh, podcast available for free and without any sponsors or ads, you can also feel free to show your support using the Patreon link in the show notes. And know that your support, if you decide to uh, participate, is always very much appreciated. Lastly, thank you to my brother, Jason Neeland, for creating the music that plays at the beginning of the show. And thank you for listening, learning, and moving toward personal and collective body liberation.